Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And what's up? It is DC Live. Wes Mitchell here. Chris Clark, uh, Monday episode of the show. As my buddy uh, Joe, who is a listener to the show, texted me on Saturday night. Back to reality for, for Gamecock fans. Um, last week was fun. Great victory over Florida. And as we talked about all week, uh, Chris, opportunity for South Carolina. Winnable game for South Carolina on paper. Proved to really be a winnable game in, in reality as well. That, that's kind of the way it, it played out. We're going to dive into why it was – ultimately not a, a win for South Carolina, but um, in, a, in a lot of ways, there I wouldn't say there were a ton of surprises with, with this game. The the concerns that you would have on paper with how it, it may not play out in South Carolina's favor, um, unfortunately for Gamecock fans, um, those concerns were, were probably validated. And uh, so we're, we're going to get into the game, of course, today. We'll break it down, but uh, in my opinion, not not necessarily a surprise. I, I think it, it kind of, um, to me, it was really two teams that neither side necessarily played all that great, Chris. Both sides made mistakes. Um, South Carolina, uh, you know, scores early off of mistake, has a chance to maybe build some momentum and build a lead early on, then, then makes their, their own mistake. And then um, – Offense was sort of a combination of showing some some of the positives we saw against Florida, but then also reverting back for stretches to kind of the results we, we've seen for most of the year. So, of course, we're going to dive into this game. Then uh, at some point this week, we'll move forward to Auburn. This is GC Live and is presented by our good buddy, Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network. There you see Clint's smiling face right there on your screen. C. Hammond at MortgageNetwork.com. Several different ways you can contact Clint. His NMLS number is 71597-803-576-4450 is one of the many phone numbers that you can use to contact uh, Clint. And ClintHammond.com is the easiest way just to find some information about Clint. Uh, Again, I'm Wes. He's Chris. Chris, initial thoughts on this game. Well, I I think you nailed it there in your – Opening monologue, as I would call it. Um, opportunity for South Carolina. Close game um, to to be transparent because it's on the internet. Um, I predicted a South Carolina win kind of uh, begrudgingly is not the right word. Reluctantly, I think, is the right word because, look, I, I think as well as this team played against Florida, Florida was part of that, we know. But South Carolina did take advantage. And so kind of the question that I think we all had going into this Missouri game was um, 
has this South Carolina team turned the corner to where its actual identity, the production that it puts forth on the field, isn't more of what we saw against Florida? Did something click? Did they figure something out? And at least in terms of the result here, the answer is no, not yet. You know, maybe they've made some strides in certain areas. Certainly, I think you credit this team, West, for it was a pretty bleak outlook at the end of the game. They continued fighting. They made some plays, uh, got a big interception, uh, big fourth down, not only conversion, but touchdown late. And they were in this ball game late to where they could have come back and won. So we, we see that again. We see this team continue to fight. That's a positive, but there were too many mistakes in this game, ultimately. Uh, and it was a variety of things. There's going to be – there are actually a lot of storylines, Wes, coming out of this one. I think it's an interesting game because it's not just, well, the offense stinks, right? Like, that's what we've seen after a lot of the games. There are a lot of different letdowns and different storylines in this game. South Carolina's inability to stop Tyler Beatty. We harped on that all week leading up to this game. That was going to be a key to this game. This guy's a really good player. South Carolina couldn't couldn't hem him in, especially late. You had an opportunity to get off the field, maybe get your deep your offensive ball back. Couldn't stop Tyler Beatty. Certainly the offensive line had its struggles. The run game couldn't get going. Uh, Jason Brown, you know, I think on the road, uh, we saw that there were some really good plays and there were others that he would certainly like to have back. We spoke with him earlier today on our, on our Garnet trust uh, sponsored interview Wes. We'll talk about a little bit later, I'm sure, but some plays he'd like to have back. You give up a defensive score. Shane Beamer often says, if you score on defense in a game, it's hard to win. We saw that. We saw South Carolina with a chance to what go up 14, nothing deep in Missouri territory, 20, 25 yard line, turn the football over. And so those types of things in these low-margin games are hard to overcome. And uh, credit to South Carolina for continuing to fight despite that, but came up just short. Too many mistakes, you know, in this one, Wes. Yeah, so, um, Chris, uh, shout-out to everybody that's already here on our Primal Gourmet chat line. Um, comment from from Nick on Facebook. Uh all the things that went right against Florida uh, were, were all gone uh, against Missouri. And, and it, you certainly did get a sense that the the opportunity to maybe once again build some of that momentum early in the game, much like they did against Florida, w- was there. And, you know, you, you go up 14 to nothing, potentially. It doesn't guarantee you're going to win the game by any means. But... Does it open up maybe a few more throws for Missouri? Maybe they feel a little bit more pressure. I, you know, they're not going to abandon the run, but do they feel a little bit more pressure to put the ball in danger? Does it put South Carolina in a better situation? Absolutely. It's felt like that changed the momentum of the game when South Carolina fumbled after having an opportunity to, you know, to to basically go up by two scores. And then it, it sort of settled into – a little bit of a of a field position type game for a while. And, you know, I, I thought, man, just the the sort of just the the sloppiness for me overall. Like that that's the that's the best word I can come up with because it wasn't really it wasn't that any phase that they were just awful in, in my opinion. Um 
but it wasn't really that any phase of the game was completely that sharp either. Um, offensively, you know, it, this wasn't a game where the running game was completely bottled up like, say, the, the A&M game where, where South Carolina just could not run the football at all. And, and people uh, may be, run, you know, running out of their – running out of the road right now. Uh, cussed me out uh, by by saying that, but I didn't think that the running game was completely shut down. If you look at the numbers and take out the sack yardage, um, and I I had to y'all bear with me. I had to close my screen because it was trying to play a video um, where I had the the stats up because I was going to reference it. But you know, Zaquandre White, you look at his numbers. 10 carries for, for 60 yards. Now, um, you know, there, there's a, some of those are on splash plays. Some of those, uh, a, a big portion of that is on a long run on a third and long that he ended up breaking. And uh, actually that, that play alone flipped the field position for, for South Carolina at one point uh, looked like it might end up being a huge play. And, you know, you take out the 50 yards overall that were lost due to sacks the numbers in the running game aren't completely as off. Not that they were good, not saying that at all. I'm just saying this wasn't a game where South Carolina just had no ability to run the football. I thought early on, I was like, okay, they're grinding out some rushing yardage here. They're going to be able to continue to run the football, in my opinion. Now, as sort of the middle portion of the game hit, that's when South Carolina, Chris, I felt like – um you know, you had you had the nice drive, um, sort of late in the second quarter. The beautiful throw from from Brown to Van, where he rolled and then dropped it down in the bucket. Uh, that was a great play. That was a great drive. But for the most part, the middle two quarters just not a whole lot going on for the offense in general, really in running game, throwing game, or, or any aspect at that point. Yeah, and Co- and Colin Taylor had actually a piece West dedicated to. Uh, how right after the game of how those middle quarters, you know, could call it the middle eight. If it was a little bit more, a little bit less than that, have to go back and kind of look at the at the clock and the game and everything. But basically, it's still up on Gamecock Central. Middle quarters, Doom, Gamecocks, and Road Loss. That, that puts it very well. Second, third quarters, West South Carolina outscored twenty four seven. So there's your seventeen point margin that South Carolina ended up being down. They have to come back, end up losing by three. They were outgained in that point, 247 to 80. Missouri rushed for 83 yards, threw for 164 in that period. At South Carolina's rushing total at that point, minus 14 yards, not sack adjusted, right? But in that period, uh, there was obviously the, the strip sack for a touchdown. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, Nick put it very well there in terms of just how many things went wrong, right? Jason Brown. Um, had some really good plays that kind of encapsulated what he can bring to the offense. That throw to Josh Van that you referenced, that was one of them. He also had some that you would certainly like to have back, you know, not sensing that pressure off the right side. I think he attributed it after the game to a formational issue that he he should have changed or been more aware of. You know, fumbles the ball. You have the one I referenced earlier where you're down there on the 20-25, you end up fumbling on an exchange. That gives Missouri the ball back, and now instead of look, I mean, even if you get a field goal there, Wes, ten nothing game. Really, the way you're moving the ball maybe is fourteen nothing. 
on the Primal Gourmet chat line, Craig says, this is a good point. Going up 14 nothing doesn't help us tackle Beatty the rest of the game, but what it does do, it gives you a little bit of a cushion. This ends up being a three-point game, you know? And, and the whole complexion of that game probably changes to your point earlier, Wes. So I think you're up 14 nothing. You're feeling pretty good, especially since you've already turned the ball over once to that point. Uh, that That's the thing about this game is that, you know, I keep throwing out the low margin phrase, but this is a three-point game. The storyline coming out is how poorly South Carolina played in this game on defense. Even on special teams, they give up a – Shane Beamer visibly annoyed. They give up a longer kind of return, right, on one of the kickoffs. Not not a huge play, but they give up a return. And then, you know, offensively, you've got turnovers, multiple turnovers. You have a, a scoop and score for the defense. You have sacks. You're not running the ball well, and you lose by three. So cut out any one of those errors – and you might play poorly and still win this football game on the road. So it just illustrates how devastating some of these, uh, in, you know, all piled together, these these uh, mistakes. They were devastating in this game. Yeah, I'm about to throw a few more of those mistakes in there. But I will say this. Missouri, Missouri was equally mistake-prone is the thing. Is the thing. It, it was not a well-clean – it was not a clean game. It's not a well-played game. On either side, in my opinion, Missouri kept shooting themselves in the foot with penalties that should, you know, you get – there were several times Missouri's going to get the ball back, either via a turnover that got overturned because of a penalty, or, you know, South Carolina's backed up at their own two. Missouri gets an illegal hands-to-the-face call, a couple of holding calls on their defenders. I mean – both sides. It was just not a clean game. I don't. I don't know what Basilak is doing, throwing the ball up over the middle in the fourth quarter when you have a two-score lead. Uh, Missouri lost their first fumble the entire season. Um, you know, both both sides are probably looking. Nobody enjoyed that film session on Sunday, in my opinion. But man, just a. I I like to think of football in sequences and to, to just illustrate how like little things hurt you, man. I mean, look, so just even field position in a game, South Carolina has a chance to get off the field in the second half. They're down by three. Missouri is backed up towards their own goal line. And there's a third and six. They complete the ball on a swing pass. Um, it's either a swing pass or a little quick out. Either way, it's to their running back. It's to Beatty in the flat. South Carolina's in man coverage. South Carolina has a defender there. South Carolina has the defender with his arms around Beatty. Beatty breaks the tackle, gets a first down, extends the drive. Missouri gets another first down or two, whatever. Okay, no no big deal. Nobody's even remembering that play because South Carolina gets off the field. But the ensuing drive, South Carolina is now backed up, and that drive is when the sack, fumble, scoop, and score happens. So 
that that sequence it that, does it play out differently? Are you are do you have a different play call if you have the ball at midfield? You, you know what I mean? Like the game plays out differently. Like little in you know this margin for error thing, little things like that um, can be the difference in, in winning or losing. The end of the half situation for South Carolina when South Carolina has the they South Carolina has the ball. They're at about the fifty yard line. And there's, what, two and a half? There's between two and three minutes left. And then just the – and it wasn't necessarily – generally, I say, if you have the ball less than three minutes to go, you're driving. Either you should score or nobody should score, right? Like, you're, you have control at that point, and it's a 14-14 to 14 game. Well, and it wasn't – it wasn't that most of the time if, if you end up on the wrong side of that, it's because maybe there was a clock management error or something along the way. That was not the case here. The issue was South Carolina started going backwards again. I think there was there was a holding call in there maybe. Then there was a huge sack that dropped them all the way back to the 35, around the 35-yard line. Remember, it was like fourth and 30-something at that point. Yeah, South Carolina punts the ball back. Then Missouri has the little jet sweep play, jet sweep pass, you know, whatever you call it. And that, Chris, that play can go for 15 yards. That play can go for 20 yards. Is a coach happy? No, but you're fine. You got to get the guy on the ground. That that play can't go for 70 yards, whatever it was before he got dragged down. Then they're in field goal range. Then you actually manage to get the guy down, which was a beautiful play on that throwback pass from Missouri. Ideally, though, you're going to just lay on him, right? Like, you're going to make them call a defensive. I'd force, I'd force the referee's hand. I'd make them call a defensive delay a game on me. Lay on him, trip him, you know, keep, keep him from getting to the sideline. Yeah. You know, and Missouri somehow get gets the the field goal off to get the three at the end of the half, which all the little things that had to happen for them to even be able to get that off, and it ends up being a three point game in the end. Um, I mean, I'm sitting here wondering why, why, like you're you're supposed to be allowed to sub, right? Well, that, that was a big part of the conversation. And, Wes, I don't know about you. I haven't gotten any clarification on it. I have not either. Yet. We we got we to gotta do some checking there. But, yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, it, that's a big three points. It ends up being a big three points in this game. I mean, it's, it's tied at that point. But you're right. It was a sequence of bad events that led to it. South Carolina starts out at their own 48-yard line. You're in good shape. At, at that time. But your first run is a loss of six. Then you end up getting a 17-yard gain to Josh Vance, and now you're really in business. You're in Missouri territory, but you get a holding, you get an incomplete, you get a no gain, and then you take a sack, and then your fourth and 33 is what it ends up being. You're still at your own 36, so you got a chance to get off a good punt. As it was, Kai Kroger – not his best punt. So Missouri's now at their own 29. So that's one thing you think of, you know, 
ideally in that situation, the clock is at 120, I think, ish at that time. You want to have them pin deeper than their own 29. They start at their 29. Very first play, 47-yard pass, right? Third and 10 at the SC24. Complete pass. They end up making some plays, right? But yeah. that, that just, complete pass, though, was the jet sweep. That's the jet it count, sweep. It counts yeah. as a pass, but yeah, it's the jet really sweep. that's their run defense issue, um, right? in my opinion. Right. So, I mean, that's just a – it was just a, a variety of things that led to that. And I think we saw that this whole game. I mean, you just laid out that scenario. You laid out the one before, um, you know, where you end up having the, the scoop and score issue. We laid out the one earlier where you're about to go score. You're going to – with Parker White on your team, you're at least going to get three with where you are. You may get seven. Instead, you come away with zero, right? And so those are the types of things you just you just can't do um, against a, a, a team with, that you're p- pretty evenly matched with on the road. I would say very evenly matched with. You know, like – but I, I still think if those teams play ten times – I think they probably split, honestly, um, depending on where they're playing. You know, home foot advantage probably means something. But yeah, Beatty Beatty was was great for them. They they just rode him, man. I, I think that the probably I don't want to say it's the most difficult disappointing thing for a Carolina fan listening, but one of the most disappointing things has got to be that South Carolina could not get the ball back at the end of the game because. Generally, Chris, you see when teams know without a shadow of a doubt that the opponent is going to run the football, and they just sort of basically when the ball snapped, everybody just heads towards the backfield. Lots of times you see teams get a stop in that situation. And in this case, it wasn't like Missouri took over with a minute 30 to go, and you had to have – I always look at it as like a sequence of downs. Like, okay, sometimes when a team takes over, you have to have the stop in the first sequence of downs. So the pressure is on you as a defense. Play has to be now. One, You're one first down away from losing the game. This was a situation where South Carolina still had two timeouts, which, by the way, you would have had three timeouts if not for another issue of sloppiness, we'll just call all this being sloppy, where you had to burn the timeout on a fourth down prior. You had to burn the timeout on offense. Yep. So you would have three. Yeah. Shane Beamer, not happy. Very unhappy. uh, At all. So if you're a lip reader, yeah. But I think you look, man, I don't remember the exact amount of time that was left, but you had several sequences to get off the field. And what happens? Basically, they're still getting chunk yardage. So you're still giving, you know, a second and three on one of those sequences. It's like, that's not a recipe to get off the field if they're running the football. The The, the key play now was the, the zone read keeper or designed keeper from the quarterback because Missouri, once again, both teams shooting themselves in the foot, they get a holding to push it back to second and long, and then you're like, okay, South Carolina's going to find a way to get off the field. And great call by them. Give them credit. 
quarterback picks up about 10 yards, stay, you know, stays in bounds, makes it more manageable on third down, they end up getting the first down. But that to me, when, when you know 100% the other team is running the football and they're still not just able to run it, but run it well, like really well, that that's that's not good. No, it wasn't. I mean, that that was a, a very frustrating thing uh, for the Gamecocks, no doubt. And, and that that was honestly, Wes, probably my most significant takeaway from the game. We've seen, and I, I don't want to give the impression that we haven't seen any issues stopping the run this season. We have. We've talked about those on this show. We talked about after the Troy game how, you know, hey, they struggled with some runs here against Troy. Now. And, and then we were talking about how, hey, you're going to see some of these same runs against Florida. They largely were able to stop those. But that was honestly one of my biggest takeaways in those moments where you knew Tyler Beatty was getting the ball. You couldn't get the stop. Um, there were some missed tackle, missed angle issues. Wes, I, I looked up the, the PFF stats. Again, that's a resource we use as PFF at times for different things. Just as a reference point, the missed tackle number a lot lower than I thought it was after I watched. I think they had Carolina down for six, which is a actually a really good number. Uh, if you have if you have six missed tackles in a game, that's good. I know people are like, oh, you shouldn't miss any tackles. You're going to miss some tackles in, in most games. Uh, that, that number seemed a lot higher to me. I don't really know how they chart that, how they measure it. I, th- I think what was – you know, even more than the actual numbers, the ones that they had were really glaring. Like the one you mentioned earlier, you've got arms on a, on Beatty, basically in the back, not in the backfield, he's on the perimeter there, but it's basically no gain, he gets around. You know, you look at the jet sweep, you got some bad angles and stuff like that there. Uh, that was a surprising stat to me, but that, that was a big issue in the game. You know, I think there were some legitimate concerns about Beatty going in, not – I think it was kind of the worst case scenario for South Carolina in terms of how well, or really in this case, how poorly they were able to defend that. Yeah, it could it couldn't have gone much worse, really. I mean, I guess it could have, but in reality, it went about. And and they do they rode him like he's he's not a big back by any means. But between I mean, between all the the carries and as many times as they threw it to him, what did he have? I mean. They had 46 total carries in the game, and one of those, one of those is the sack early on by Damani. So 45 carries, and Beatty had 34 of them, plus he caught five passes. I mean, this dude was was their workhorse. And they, you know, give give them credit. They said, look, he's our best player. We're gonna give him the ball. And we're we're just gonna ride him. We're, you know, we're gonna we're gonna give him the football and and see how far he can take us. And I, you know, I, I think Missouri's not a great football team, y'all. Like to me, they're they're not. They're just not. Uh, but they they kind of knew. I think they kind of knew what they are. They they know they're not a great team at stopping the run. So they were there were several times that, that they were they were us playing NCAA football back in the day on PlayStation or Xbox, when teams are just running it down your throat and you just say, I'm going to call the uh, the double A-gap blitz every time and you just play man coverage on the outside and you just say, 
if you beat me, you beat me, but I'm sending everybody I got. And to, to me, that's what it that's what it felt like at times. Missouri was bringing lots of defenders, and they they overloaded South Carolina at times. They scouted South Carolina pretty well, I think, as far as you know. Jason Brown, we talked about this. Teams all of a sudden having just one week of film on you. They got a little. They got some knowledge on you, and. For those who missed it, please go back and watch our interview with Jason, our exclusive earlier today brought to you by Garnet Trust. We're going to tell you all a little bit about what Garnet Trust is here in a minute. But, Chris, I when, when you're when you're doing those interviews, I you know, I you don't want to go too deep into pointing out, uh, you know, J- Jason Brown knows there were some plays he would want back. Um, try to be respectful, but he brought it up. He brought it up himself. He did. The fact that um, you know everybody saw that that big play he he threw to Van. There were several of them against Florida. Everybody saw the back the back twist, like the backside spin move. And you know, I, I was debating on if I was going to ask him about that or not. He brought it up. He said I, I relied on it a little too much. He even mentioned that one of the Missouri guys was rushing to that area, like sort of anticipating it. Now we we saw the kids step up in the pocket several times against Florida and you know play play well in that aspect of his game. So certainly is capable of doing that. The I'm not going to sit here and by any means say this offensive line played great, but there were times where there where the O-line, if you were just watching the game, having some drinks with your friends, you don't, you're not really watching a slow motion replay or really looking at where the pressure came from, where it wasn't all on the offensive line. And you've heard Beamer say that, and you're probably tired of hearing, oh, it's not just on the O-line. But here, here's why. Some, some of them were. The, the play, the, the, the first fumble on the little exchange, Jason – nor Marshawn really had any chance on that play because the defender got such a good jump off the edge and beat South Carolina's um, left tackle. That's that's what happened. But other times, they were being set up where there were more blitzers than there are um, blockers. And then other times, the angles, when if you drop back far enough, I believe Missouri's scouting was that, okay, let's just get as wide as possible. And if he spins out, we're there. That I, I'm, I'm convinced that was, that was by design, that they did that. I also, Chris, think the, the imp- implementation of, uh, of a fullback is outstanding, especially in short yardage. The Trey Jones package when when teams know you are going you're gonna run the ball anyway. Now they, they use they use Jaheim as a fullback at times. They use Kevin Harris as a fullback as, at times with Juju as the, the tailback. But um Chris, there were also occasions and I do you remember the snap count on Trey Jones? I will effort it. I do not recall it. Okay, real quick. It it hit me now. I, I rewatched the game on Sunday, and it hit me, Chris. 
when when you're in that formation, even with a regular fullback, they know the fullback is probably a blocker, but they from a number standpoint, when they count out who they have to cover, who they have to guard, they they have to account for the fullback if they're in man coverage. If it's Trey Jones and it's an offensive lineman, you essentially can always blitz that guy. Like you can all because he Trey Jones is not going out for a pass. So it does give you an extra blocker, but it probably gives you an extra defender to deal with as well. So mm-hmm. to me, I'm I'm wondering if Missouri do you, do you have that number by the way? According to what we got from uh, via PFF, just four snaps. Thought it was a little more than that, but it, it it seemed to me like when when Missouri saw Trey that they were like, okay, send send everybody because you know you know that's that's probably going to be a, a run. So you just completely sell out um, in that case. But let's see, we got a couple of questions here, man. Um, and you know what I mean. Travis, I love you, man, but I, I can't sit here and say the O-line is not the problem. It's part of the problem. It's A, yeah, A. It's A, yeah, like I – and let's see another comment. We can't man, we can't watch the O-line manhandle Florida when we had a completely different mindset and think they aren't capable of getting it done. You know, I agree. And that, that, was a great, that was a great job by the O-line against Florida. Also – at some point, now, did, did South Carolina break Florida or was Florida broken before this game? You'd like to think South Carolina had something to do with it, you know, the way that game played out. And I, I'm not going to go – I'm not going to be that guy that's like, oh, well, that game meant nothing now. But I think South Carolina deserves all the credit for burying Florida when the opportunity was there. So we're not going to take that back just because Florida – played poorly against Sanford. I'm, I'm not going to be that guy. But I do think, you know, there, there's plenty of blame to go around is all I'm saying. At times, it, it is play calling. At times, it is just straight up the O-line. At times, it's that, you know, Jason wasn't able to step up into the pocket. At, you know, at, at other times, it's just um, just little sl- – like we've talked about all year, man, it's little – attention to detail things third and one you're and I'm thinking of a third and one late in the game your wide receiver is not lined up and set you're going to get the first down on the third and one instead you get pushed back now you're at third and six you don't convert the third and six now you're at fourth and six you have to go for it because you're down 17 and now Missouri has the ball back um there was another occasion on a short yardage I think where South Carolina there, there was a, you know, I don't know if it was short artists. I do remember there was another illegal formation call, and I was like, what, what does South Carolina do? And I went back and I counted. They didn't have seven guys on the line of scrimmage. So stuff like that is attention to detail. Stuff like that sometimes is a common theme we've talked about all year long. Are you trying to do too much? Are you trying to be a jack of all trades, but you're not able to consistently have that attention to detail that you need to execute. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's been a huge issue. It, it, some of those same things that we'd send, seen this season as far as the turnovers, untimely penalties, I mean, they, they reared their ugly head. 
going back to your point about the offensive line play, I think it was just kind of a the imperfect storm for South Carolina because we did see some one-on-one losses by the O-line. We did see them get overloaded, which then you can go, okay, is, is that a, that's a schematic thing sometimes? Sometimes you got to have an answer for it schematically. There are times when you're playing this level of competition, you're going to get guys overload you. You have to have a schematic answer for it or an execution answer for it. And look, that that was to me that was one of the bigger surprises in the game. We, we knew Jason Brown with his playing style, Wes. He's going to take some risks. He's going to move around like that's part of the experience. That's what he's going to do. But look at his best play in that game, in my opinion, was that touchdown throw to Josh Van. And what did he do on that play? He bought some time. He stepped up, went to his right. He threw on the run and threw a, I mean, a gorgeous pass. I mean, he, he about handed it to Josh Van from that distance. Uh, but we didn't see that most of the game. And so I think the amount of pressure that Missouri had, how wide they were getting, some of the one-on-one losses – As a quarterback, a lot of former quarterbacks will tell you this, you could start seeing ghosts a little bit. And I think it did affect him. A lot of people have talked about the deep drops. There were some very deep drops in this game. You're already in shotgun. You end up backing up. You see the pressure. Now you're spinning out. Now you're losing more yardage. You're losing more ground. And so I can't sit here and say, well, he didn't step up because of this or because of this, but it didn't happen. And so that's certainly something – uh, in our Garnet Trust interview with Jason, you're right, Wes, he brought that up himself as, in terms of the spin out. I asked him, the question I asked was, when you look at the Florida game and the Missouri game with the good and the bad, what are some things that you're working on that you think these next two opportunities, what are some things that are going to be a point of emphasis? He said, I use the spin out too much. That's basically mm-hmm. what he said. And so they're aware of it. Why they couldn't correct it in the game, I mean, I don't know, Right. But going forward, that does have to be a point of emphasis because there were Jason Brown shown in the Florida game, very limited sample of the Missouri game. When he's navigating that pocket and stepping up, he can do some really good things. So not going backwards in the pocket is going to have to be, you know, a significant part of this. So somebody made the comment asking, or they they commented and said, I, I heard that there were seven missed tackles or broken tackles, like missed tackles created, and that six for by Z White. According to PFF, yes, that is correct. So, um, about, did you need to go off camera, Chris, or did I just accidentally take you off? Um, that was that was me uh, because I was going to sneeze, and none of the people need to see that. Okay, I got you. I, th- I thought I had accidentally. Wes, your uh, your mic has come become disconnected, is what the show just told me. You're talking, you're not muted. They said you're muted, then you were not, and now your mic is disconnected. So, anyway, I'm going to take this opportunity while Wes reconnects his mic. We're going to tell you about the fine folks at Dead Soxie. Here it is up on the screen for those of you on the live stream. DeadSoxie.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. Wore my Dead Soxy socks to church this weekend. In there, it was a fantastic experience as usual. Go there, check out the promo code COCKY, C-O-C-K-Y. Get 25% off your entire order at deadsoxy.com. They have a great catalog there. 
great folks. Check out deadsoxy.com. Wes, yes. Am I am I back? Am I in? Am I here? You're here. You're back with us. The people are excited about Dead Soxy. Oh, look at this on the primal gourmet wah, chat. Wah. Wow, Randy. Whew. Randy throwing in, shade over here. Coming in hot shade. on the primal gourmet chat line. No, I'm sorry. So the, the Midas connection got me all uh, flustered, Wes. Not sure what, what we were talking about. We were talking about Jason Brown in and out of the pocket, and then we moved on to something else. But. We're, we moved on to Z White breaking six of the seven tackles, I believe, is, is where we were at. Um, wow. Dude, Z, Z White. And you know what? Why have we not heard from the guy who was convinced that we're Z White haters? Um, haven't heard from him in a minute. Went, went back and watched some of our old shows where we were talking about how good he is, I guess. Maybe? Yeah, Maybe. I, get, I mean, I, I do feel a little, like, honestly, early on, I, I was driving the Z-White hype train out of Juco. And then last year, I was like, what, maybe, you know, he wasn't playing a lot. I was like, maybe, maybe I was wrong. Maybe I was wrong. And I do feel a little, a little vindicated. Like, I, I this kid, this kid's good, man. I'm, I'm telling y'all, this has the feeling to me, like just watching Zaquandre White's running style. I think this kid could be one of those guys, if he finds the right spot in the NFL, that could end up having, and somebody asked earlier, by the way, if, if Z. White has another year. He does have another year if he wants it. Now, ultimately, I could see him being one of those guys that actually ends up having a better NFL career than a college career at this point. Now, you certainly hope that he ends up having a big splash uh, to his college career and is able to get drafted and stuff like that. But just his run, the patience that he has started to run with, I think at times when when he first got here, he he would just shoot up in there. There there were he has he's actually benefited a little bit from having to play behind a line that hasn't always given him a lot of room and that he's gotten more patient that the, the touchdown run, uh, the short touchdown run where he just waited um, looked kind of like a, a, in his prime. It was a, it was in the style of the, in his prime Le'Veon Bell, not saying he is that back, but that just patient, like, let me, let me feel, let me feel, let me feel. And then let me go. He, to me, Z White deserve like to, uh, the the stretch where he wasn't playing a whole lot. Like you look back, they the offense might be at his best when eleven is on the field. Is what I'm trying to get to. Yeah, and and he's got that patience that he's really improved on, coupled with what we already knew, and that he can run. Uh, he's going to run hard. He can break tackles. Right, and like he's got some speed. He he had one of the greatest one yard runs I've ever seen in that Missouri game. Had absolutely, it was some kind of perimeter run. He had a couple of those. I feel like a couple. Of, I mean, there's one in particular. I mean, he had got and he just somehow got forward and got a yard, a half yard. I mean, just an amazing effort. You look at the the fourth down, you know, pass he got just he was wide open, but just how hard he runs. Like it's like I said last week, he runs like his hair and his rear end are both on fire. You know, like he's he's running from something, and 
So he's he's coupled those open field skills with being more patient at the line. So it's really been something to see. Got to try to get the ball in his hands even more, right? And and scheme up some ways to get the ball in the hands of guys like him and Jaheim and Juju McDowell. Get Marsha- Marshawn Lloyd can do some things, you know, when he gets in the open field. Kevin Harris is a physical back. They just haven't been able to put those elements together, you know. And so uh, I think that's been a large part of the frustration, you know, for, for people this year is seeing these players that you know have open field ability or even before they get in the open field ability, but not being able to get those guys to football consistently, not being able to get them going consistently. And that's been one of the uh, the toughest things, I think, for this offense this season. Well, how about the catch and run for Jaheim Bell, where yeah. the Missouri defender comes flying up, has, has the momentum, and he just bounced right off a of zero. I mean, bounced completely backwards. Like, that was that that was nasty. I mean, even the touchdown against Florida for Jaheim Bell, where he made the kid miss in the open field one-on-one, that was as smooth of a, like, uh, yeah, just keep going, man. I'm going to the end zone. Like, it was it was like he wasn't even trying, you know? Excuse me, yeah. Yeah, excuse yeah. me, dude. Like, what are you doing in the way? Like, you, I'm going right, you go right. Let's avoid each other, and let's go. So, yeah, there, you know, there are players on this team. It's not completely devoid of talent. And like you said, man, there, there were moments in the game where you were like, okay, it looks a little bit like it did against Florida. Um, there were moments where you said, okay, this looks like it did against Texas A&M. You know, it's like we're, you know, progress has been there, but probably not enough. Uh, it is interesting, by the way, going by PFF numbers again. Gap scheme versus zone scheme this week, dead even, 50-50, half zone, half gap. It was a little more two-thirds-ish gap scheme against Florida. So, I don't know. A lot, a lot more shotgun against Florida. There was a lot more under center this week, which I assumed most of the shotgun against Florida was because Jason Brown has played in a shotgun-based offense for his entire time at St. Francis. Was that a safe assumption? Like, isn't that what you would have thought? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you, you I, I think going into this year, it seemed like Mark and Marcus Satterfield has said this, and he was really talking about Luke Doty with it. He envisioned them doing a lot more under center. They did not with Doty because he injured his foot. I mean, he's coming off foot injury, still not 100%, you know. And so, um, you know, maybe that's an effort to get back to that in kind of week two of, of, of the Jason Brown era. A, a common question, Wes, and one that I can't answer – I. I don't like when people ask me this, not because I I mind answering. I don't. I just never have a good answer. So one of the questions that I've gotten on the Insiders Forum today is what exactly what you said, why so many zone runs or why stick with zone runs? Similar, why so many under center looks? The answer is basically always that's what the coaches thought would work. You know, I mean, like I – I hate to like give a cop out answer. We can't really always get in their minds in terms of why they thought it would work. You know, we can give our opinions on well, they shouldn't have done that or they should have done more of this, 
But to actually answer the question, you know, that's what they thought would work. Did, did they see something specific in their scouting? Do they want this to be the identity and they're trying to kind of make it fit? Those are the things that I don't really know as much. Yeah, me either, man. I don't, I don't know. Who knows? If you're not in the meeting, hard to say. Very, very hard to say. Some, some other news coming out. Uh, I guess that was official yesterday that, that Bo Nix is out. It had been rumored. Tough kid, by the way, man. Apparently he fought through it. This kid's been, you know, he he's had to deal with kind of the scrutiny and up and down career. By the way, Chris, what are you drinking, man? Are those uh, that, are those I always, is it what? Are those is that it looks like a green drink, athletic greens. That's like a oh somewhat popular thing right now. They're not a sponsor, Wes. Don't mention them on here. Is that a um a plain uh what, what's the word? generic version of <laughs> a knockoff. Yeah. It is. It is actually green tea. Uh, okay. It's green tea, and which always, you know, if I took the uh, the tea bag out, yeah, and this cup's very dirty. Yeah, it looks like greens, y'all. So if I took the tea bag out, you could, you know, maybe come up with a theory on what this is. It's only three o'clock, um, but it is green tea. Okay. All right. You just you lost me for a second. What were we talking about? Bo Nix is out. <laughs> TJ Finley is in. South Carolina fans are having PTSD. So you you have you have South Carolina versus Auburn in Williams Bryce Stadium, a place where the Gamecocks inexplicably knocked off Auburn this time last year with a quarterback for Auburn who beat the Gamecocks last year while playing for LSU, playing for an offensive coordinator who called the plays for the Gamecocks last year while beating Auburn. Did I get yeah. that about right? Yeah. Yeah, my head hurts. That's right. Very interesting. <laughs> Correct. Juvenile, hey, man. That's what juvenile. it is. It is juvenile, but that's what it is. Dude, yeah, um, there's some storylines in this one, you know? There's some storylines. What, what do you think about the Bobo factor in this game? What do you think about the TJ Finn? I mean, you Bo Nix was your starter for a reason, right? Um, Carolina, Carolina fans are, are scared of Finley, but LSU ran the ball like 38 times in a row, it felt like, to start that game last year. Unofficial stat. Yeah. But seriously, they just pounded Carolina's defense. So it wasn't really TJ Finley that smashed Carolina in that game. Yeah. He I mean he he did his job and his job was not as difficult that day. The the fact that they were running the football, there was basically zero pressure on him all night. Better, better better numbers than I remember. So shout really out Brandon. Numbers. For um, Promagor May line again. Good job, Brandon. Put it those are, those are, I mean, they were Great good. Numbers, but still, still, still. Chris, well, Chris Clark could have gone 14 for 21. Uh, with let's those not, easy throws. Let's, let's not go that far. I need to go back and 21 watch those easy game. throws. Well, you know, the interesting thing is 
I mean, you asked the question, what about the the Bobo factor? I don't know if you mean like the kind of emotional part of it or the the kind of game planning part. Obviously, Auburn had whew, that game on Saturday, Wes. I mean, they're they're what was it, twenty eight to three? They're up, I think. They give up forty straight points. Nick's breaks his ankle. Rough performance. I mean, tough. TD Moultrie, they're really good uh, defensive linemen. He'll be down for the first half. He was ejected for targeting. Pretty questionable targeting call, as a lot of them are. As most of them are. He'll, he'll be out. But, yeah, I mean, the thing about Bo Nix, I mean, the Bo Nix, we talk about the Jason Brown experience. Bo Nix is a whole experience at quarterback, right, because he will give you – he had a play earlier this year that broke my brain, you know, as far as – I think it was in the LSU game. He scrambled like – a hundred yards around the field and through a touchdown pass. And it was incredible, but he'll make some crazy plays as well in a negative sense. Um, and he can run, he can do some things for you. So they will be on their backup quarterback. It's not like it's a guy that's never played TJ Finley played against Georgia state this year when they were, you know, down in that game at, at one point um, when, when Bo Nix got benched, he has experience. This is a different team. It's a different scheme. It is a big guy who's got arm talent, and I think it's going to be same deal. I mean, running the football, that's going to be the biggest thing in this game, and we know Mike Bobo's going to try to get to it. Um, they got Tank Bigsby. There's another storyline for U.S. Um, release the Bigsby tape. Really? <laughs> release the commitment tape. That's right. So, I mean, it, there's a lot of interesting storylines, I think, ultimately, and I hate to be uh, – Mr. Boring, but it's gonna it's gonna be about football, you know, like that's what it's gonna come down to. And so there's a lot of that's no fine, Chris. I know. We'll talk about all the other stuff throughout the week. We can go reminisce on Tank Bigsby and Mike Bobo and TJ Finley. Nobody wants to reminisce on TJ Finley last year, probably. No, I think a lot of people probably turn the show off when we mention TJ Finley. Or when I mention your athletic greens or whatever. That's probably when they turn it off. But it'll be – I mean, I don't know, dude. I got to – I kind of feel like this is going to be a close game. Like, maybe – I mean, I haven't really had a chance to dive into Auburn yet, but it just kind of feels – you know, Carolina's at home. Um, yeah, disappointing loss, but, you know, Carolina's had its share of disappointing losses this year. For Auburn, though, that's kind of soul-crushing, I feel like. Yeah. Lose a game like that, lose your quarterback – Bama game, as Beckham pointed out, Bama game is is next week. I mean, I don't know. I I feel like it could be a tight game. Like I, I think it 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 easily could be a tight game. It'll be a weird game because Auburn's involved. They've never had a uh, a normal season. They've never had a normal game. I, I don't know what is in the water or whatever there. It's just a different place, and they have a lot of weird things happen, no doubt. So. I'm looking forward to and and I I'm agree I in agreement with you Wes I do think this is a game that you go in and feel like it's winnable for South Carolina. Will I pick the Gamecocks? Watch, we'll stay tuned. Spoiler: I don't even know yet who I'm going to pick. Got a lot more to watch, a lot more digging in to do. But it is, I think, just first glance. I think it's a winnable game, and then, and then you get the Tigers at home, get them without their quarterback, Anders Carlson, their excellent kicker, also down with an ACL injury. We'll see. 
Daniel says for me not to predict 38 points. That was what the Vanderbilt game that I predicted that. Um, but okay, Daniel, did didn't you win the Corey Smith tickets? Buddy, I if you emailed me, I, I was looking for it. I've not seen an email from you. So uh it, actually if you don't mind, you can throw your email in the chat. If you don't want your email in the chat, shoot me an email, Wes at GamecockCentral.com. Uh, that concert is Friday at Sager Park. So I want to make sure that I can get them in the mail for you or or get them to you somehow before Friday. Um, pretty sure Daniel won them, didn't he? I think that's right. Um, so make make sure to to find make sure to give me a way I can get in touch with you with you or DM me on Twitter or something. Anyway, Chris, do you want to tell everybody about what the Garnet Trust is? And by the way, may, maybe maybe I'm a little bit biased because we just talked to JB and he was the first Garnet Trust interviewee and all this stuff. I just got a feeling, I think game one for him, like first start um, was kind of like, not not beginner's luck by any means at all, but I feel like first start was kind of like, they don't have much film on you. Then I feel like Missouri, they took the film that was there. They adjusted. They found some tendencies. Now you go into this game. It's Jason's turn to adjust. What do teams do to him? Auburn, I'm sure, will have watched Missouri's film. They will watch what they've done. Point being, I think Jason Brown – actually, when when we when he hopped on the show before we went live, I was like, what you doing, man? He's like, watching Auburn. So, th- this is his day off as far as football activities go. Nobody's required to do anything football-wise. But he was watching Auburn tape. I, I got a feeling Jason Brown bounces back for a big game. Again, I might just be biased, Chris, but I, I think it's like anything. A guy makes his debut, the opponent adjusts, and then that guy has an opportunity to adjust as well. I, I just got a feeling JB's going to adjust and, and, and play well on Saturday. If you haven't already heard it or listened to it or watched it, go check out our Garnet Trust interview with Jason Brown. Chris, many people may be sitting there at home saying, what is the Garnet Trust? Why don't you answer that question? Yeah, so Garnet Trust is a new organization that basically uh, creates this mechanism where uh, you as a fan can help create NIL opportunities for players or if you're a business owner. We've heard from a lot of business owners and a lot of fans that want to participate in the NIL space. It's a whole new world in college athletics but they don't know how. So go to garnettrust.com, garnettrust.com. There's a frequently asked questions. If you're a business owner, you can email us if you've got questions and there's a way for fans to contribute. Supporters are going to help create content such as the Jason Brown interview. That's just kind of the tip of the iceberg. Uh, We'll be doing sponsored content like that, but you also get as a supporter, you get access to a lot of cool exclusive stuff, text messages from players, newsletters that are going to feature players, across all sports, ultimately, at South Carolina. So it's really a win-win-win, awesome content, um, kind of some personal, I guess, kind of a personal touch from some of the players, and you get to help them uh, legally and in a compliant fashion participate in the NIL space. If you're a business owner, Wes, no-brainer, because you get to kind of tap in and use a player that you might be interested in having feature your product or services. We can help kind of guide you and how to do that. And you can use our platforms at GamecockCentral.com. So check out GarnetTrust.com to learn more and find out how to support. 
You know, I think that's the coolest part, Chris, if you're a business owner, is that you can help uh, get the word out about your business. You can help grow your brand while simultaneously directly supporting student athletes if you're a Gamecock fan. You know, every Gamecock fan, I assume, wants to have a way to support the team, support the kids. And this is a way for you to kind of do both and then supercharge it by the fact that they're going to be on Gamecock Central's platforms because Gamecock Central is the exclusive media arm of the Garnet Trust, which is pretty cool for us. Uh, by the way, I just checked, Daniel. I, that email either got blocked in spam or something. So if, if you don't mind, man, um, email me back. I, like I said, I want to make sure you, you got the tickets. Uh, give it give it one more try, man. I want to make sure I get them to you. All right, Chris, we got anything else, man? No, nah, man. Good show today. That's the hour mark. So yep. uh, looking forward to diving in more on Auburn this week. Yeah, there was another question about Auburn. I honestly don't have many answers about them yet. We'll be diving in as the week goes on. Shane Beamer, of course, we'll, we'll talk tomorrow. Coordinators on Wednesday, we're going to have – we're actually probably going to have a couple of Auburn guests for you. I've got a couple of guys in mind um, for this week. So plenty of Auburn, South Carolina breakdowns throughout the week. For Chris, I'm Wes. Appreciate all of you joining us. Appreciate all of our sponsors. See you all on Tuesday. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.